Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, this is Randy Jackson of Zebra, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast, home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. Hey guys, my name is Mark Striegel. Before we get into the episode, let me just tell you, you can support this show by leaving us a review on iTunes, subscribing to us on iTunes, liking our Facebook page, following us on Twitter, and using our Amazon links. Do me a favor and do do one of those for me this week. I would really appreciate it. And all the links are in today's show notes. Of course, we always like the PayPal donations. Those have been few and far between uh, the last the last few weeks here. So would love to get one of those too. So anyways, here we go. This is Talking Metal. Today's guest, Randy Jackson. I've been wasting my time. Oh, I am losing my mind.
Yeah, we got Randy Jackson from Zebra. That song right there was Tell Me What You Want. Classic Zebra. Love it. And I've, I've always loved Zebra. I think they're a great band. Of course, that first record was one of my favorites. And uh, I just can't wait to see them play. I Believe it or not, I've never seen Zebra play live. And I can't wait to see them at the Rock Carnival in New Jersey. I'm going to have all the links up in today's show notes. Definitely check it out. It's happening September 30th through October 2nd. Alice Cooper, Clutch, Zach Sabbath. That's where Zach plays all the, his Sabbath covers. Zach Wild, Blue Oyster Cult, Twisted Sister, Overkill, Ace Frehley, Daughtry, Fuel, Monster Magnet, Halstorm, The Used, Sebastian Bach, Life of Agony, Tom Kiefer, Jim Brewer, Bullet Boys, Trickster, Doro, I mean, you can't beat this. You got to check this out. Great, great festival happening in Lakewood, New Jersey. It's down by the Jersey Shore. It's going to be a fun time. It's about an hour drive from my house. Can't wait. Can't wait. I'll be there for the first two days for sure, maybe the third day. Emily's going to be there, my wife, with me the the Saturday, and then she may go back solo on Sunday, maybe do some interviews or something. So that's the plan. And Zebra is also appearing at the festival on the 1st. The Saturday with the Twisted Sister appropriately uh, playing with their their hometown rivals, I guess, from back in the day, if you will. Or hometown friends is maybe the better word. And it's weird with Zebra because are they from Long Island or are they from New Orleans? Are they from Louisiana? We're going to ask Randy Jackson that question and a lot more uh, about his amazing history with this amazing band. If you don't know Zebra... They are great. Start with the first album and move forward from there. This one is off the first record. It is called One More Chance. It just might save my life
let's get into the interview with Randy Jackson right now of Zebra. It's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast and calling in for the first time from the band Zebra, Randy Jackson. Randy, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mark? Oh, I'm doing great, too. And I'm really excited because Zebra is going to be hitting the Rock Carnival. This is the the second Rock Carnival that uh, New Jersey has had. And the first one was great. And I can't wait for the second one because Zebra is playing on Saturday night. October 1st, a lot of great bands, Monster Magnet, Overkill, uh, Alice Cooper, Twisted Sister, I mean, the list, Ace Frehley, the list goes on and on. What what can we expect from the, the set at the Rock Carnival, Randy? Well, our, our set's going to be, you know, kind of brief. I think we play for about 45 minutes, so we're going to just cram in, you know, everything everybody wants to hear from Zebra. You know, we'll probably definitely be doing Tell Me What You Want and Who's Behind the Door. And, uh, awesome. You know, and just jamming, you know, just uh, putting it out there. You know, we're excited to be a part of the uh, Rock Carnival, and uh, it's great to be uh, on the bill with Twisted Sister as their quote-unquote last, you know, tour ever. And uh, we'll see. I hope that's not the case. But, uh, you know, we know them for a long time, and, uh, you know, they're great, great friends, and, uh, you know, we're excited to be on the on the show. Yeah, I definitely want to talk to you about your history with Twisted Sister because I recently saw the the great documentary Twisted Fucking Sister which you guys are a big part of. <laughs> so we'll talk about that but but let's 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 go back even further. You know, growing up I, as a teenager I was always into Zebra, but I always thought you guys were from from Long Island and it wasn't until more recently that I discovered well actually that's that's not ex- exactly right you're you're originally from New Orleans can can you talk about why you made the move from New Orleans to Long Island well i think uh the main consideration was that uh you know New Orleans is known for jazz and wasn't so much known for rock and getting people to pay attention to a rock band in Louisiana at the time was kind of tough um, there were some rock bands down there at the time that were making records. One in particular, uh, Thunderhead, who had been produced by Johnny Winter. Um, but other than that, you know, it was really just tough to get record companies to uh, even listen to a demo. So we figured, uh, you know, we were doing very well in Louisiana and let's get out of here. Let's, uh, you know, see where we can go. So it was either going to be Los Angeles or New York. And uh, we we knew some people in Long Island, and they said that the scene up here was happening. And uh, then uh, there was a gig we did with the Good Rats down in New Orleans for the first Earth Day. And, uh, you know, the Good Rats told us, you know, you definitely should check out Long Island. So uh, we took advantage of the, the uh, connections we had and came up here in, uh, you know, at the end of 1977. And, uh, you know, it turned out to be a good thing for us. And was it through playing the club scene in, in Long Island, in New York, in the tri-state area, that, that you eventually caught the ear of record labels? Well, you know, yeah, it, it was definitely because of the move. I mean, what happened was, you know, we made some demos. We had a, uh, uh, you know, a pretty big fan base here on Long Island uh, by the end of the uh, 1978 and Bob Buckman from WVAB took a real big interest in the band, started playing our demos on the air. And, 
you know, eventually, you know, a couple of years later, it caught the interest of Atlantic Records. You know, it wasn't exactly as quick as we were hoping it would be. But, um, you know, eventually we got signed around 1981 and we started making our first record, and which was released in 83. Right. Now, w- I want to talk about that first record, but just to kind of go into the club scene a little bit in the, in the tri-state area at that time in the late 70s, watching this Twisted Sister documentary that, w- that we mentioned earlier that you guys are a part of, it sounds like the club scene was just thriving for for hard rock i mean some of these shows that were being played by by a lot of unsigned bands were were getting over a thousand people sometimes many thousands of people is that how you remember it yeah absolutely i mean uh you know we were doing we were making phenomenal money and uh you know even before we got our record deal it was like i didn't even really care what we got the record deal or not because we were just making you know such a you know, such a good uh, income from what was happening. And, um, you know, so the, the scene was, you know, even better than the good rats had described it when, uh, they told us we should come up here. And, uh, you know, so we were, uh, we were, we were real happy with what was going on. Plus we had New Orleans we could go back to. So we were kind of traveling back and forth between, uh, New Orleans and Long Island and New Jersey and everything up here. And, uh, you know, it made it even better. Uh, so, you know, that, yeah, there were, there were a lot of people, you know, there were some clubs, you know, that'd be packed with 1,500, 2,000, 2,500 people. Wow. And, uh, there was always a great crowd. And I think a lot of it had to do with, uh, you know, at the time the drinking age was 18. It was like that in New Orleans and in New York. And, uh, you know, so, you know, kids that were 14 were getting in at that point, you know, with fake IDs and, uh. And were you guys a you cover, know, doing covers at that point, or was it like a mixture of covers and original? Yeah, it was always a mixture of covers and originals. When we came up, we had originals. Uh, occasionally, a club owner would say to us, you know, uh, we don't want you to play any originals, you know, make sure it's all covers, you know. Right. And uh, so we would still play the originals. We just wouldn't announce that they were originals. <laughs> you know, so it, it didn't matter. And that was a really good way to kind of get, honest feedback from the audience because if you played an original without saying it was your own song by just kind of going into it if they asked you what was that song that you played you know i I liked it or what was that song it really sucked you know at least you got some honest feedback from people without them you know feeling like they were uh you know dissing you by saying you know that they didn't like the song but uh you know it turned out to be a good kind of proving ground for a lot of the songs right on and and so a lot of these songs end up on that legendary first zebra record and let's let's talk about the actual production of it you went into the studio with just a legendary producer jack douglas who had done aerosmith the who alice cooper i think he did some miles davis he won a grammy with his for his work with john lennon i mean this was a real heavy guy at at the time i mean still is i mean what how did you end up with jack douglas well we you know we put a list together of producers that we thought would be you know good we hadn't worked with any producers up until that point we had produced all the demos ourselves and jack douglas was at the top of the list um i think it had to do for me anyway with uh the fact that he had worked with both Aerosmith and John Lennon and those two worlds were kind of the bridge that 
you know, that I, I saw fitting into, you know, Zebra's direction. And, um, and then he said, yes. And we were like, you know, wow, this is great. Um, you know, the, the thing you don't think of when you're doing these kind of things is the uh, personal side of things. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, at the, at that time that was, you know, literally, you know, a year or two right after John Leonard had been killed. Right. And, uh, you know, I think Jack was still, you know, getting used to this new reality. And, um, and I wasn't, you know, the band wasn't even considering that part of it. You know, it was like, you know, uh, you know, but you find the human side as you go along and, um, you know, that wasn't even anything we were considering, but it, it, I think it had uh, a lot to do with the direction of the record and how it came out and, you know, everything that happened after that. Uh, I enjoyed working with Jack. He was awesome. You know, we had a lot of fun times and, um, and, uh, you know, but um, but it wasn't a, a situation where you know you had a guy coming in there that had really gotten settled, right? You know, or 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 been able to accept what had happened. You know, and we were still kids at the time. You know, even though we were like you know, almost, not, I was almost thirty at the time. But uh, you know, as far as uh, you know, doing a record with a producer, you know, it was just something I wasn't ever considering. You know, and. Uh, the Beatles were like one of my favorite bands of all time, obviously. Sure. And that was why we chose, you know, one of the reasons we chose Jack Douglas to begin with or Aston. And, uh, you know, that I really think that, uh, you know, it definitely like took its toll on Jack and, uh, you know, I could see it in the studio, you know, I could see, you know, where, um, this was not the same Jack Douglas that had produced a lot of what I had heard. And I think it was, uh, he was, I think he did a great, just distant. He was a little removed or wasn't, wasn't focused maybe, or. Well, I think he, I don't think he could be as focused. I think he was, you know, I think he liked what we were doing and everything, but I don't think the passion, you know, I mean, he was a guy that probably, you know, if John Lennon had had survived, that's probably all he would have done because the fantasy record was was a great record on its own forgetting the fact that you know it sold after Lennon was killed but um you know this was probably going to be Jack's life work you know if yeah. John Lennon had survived and then uh, all that was just taken away from him so I don't I can't really say what was going on through his, his mind but it was something that I definitely reflected on later on right you know after we made our records and stuff and I don't think we got everything we could have out of him, although he was so brilliant, you know, you know, he made a great record and, yeah. well, uh, you two, know, and, two records, right. He was there for the second record yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yep. Cool. And then there was a little break, I think a slight break before the third record came out, right. That was in, uh, 86 and any memories of that record that was self-produced, was it? Yeah, we yeah. did that one ourselves. Um, and it was, it was, it was odd. I know, I know we'd been on tour with Loverboy and, um, Bruce Fairbairn had shown interest in wanting to produce the record. And, uh, it was, you know, I'd written all the songs while, while we were on the road with the second record. And, uh, you know, we just figured, let's just do it ourselves. You know, I've learned a lot from Jack, you know, I mean, he was very generous with, you know, the knowledge he had and, you know, 
always had a, a lot of access to anything that he did. And I learned a lot. I said, let's get, let's give it a shot ourselves, you know, and it was funny, you know, Bruce Fairbairn goes off, you know, we tell him, you know, we're going to do it ourselves. And he goes off and produces slippery room wet. Yeah. Never know what would have happened, but, um, but I was happy with the way the record came out and it was just sad that it didn't get the, uh, the push that, uh, or other notoriety that it could have, you know, right. that that's actually my favorite zebra zebra record as far as the songs go, you know, right. not necessarily because of the production, but the songs. Right on. Right. On. And then zebra continued, I believe to tour right up until around 1990. Is that, is that correct? Well, we never stopped. Yeah, we, we did. We really stopped the touring quote unquote, uh, in about 86, 87. Okay. Uh, that was when we when Atlantic dropped us. We weren't really doing the tours anymore, but we never stopped playing. We were doing gigs every year, okay. and a lot of people think we just stopped and and broke up and whatever. But that never happened. You know, we we all did different projects. You know, I did a solo project for Atlantic, but Zebra was always part of it. You know, we, we did a uh, you know a, a live record for Atlantic in 1990. Right. Uh, while I was doing the uh, China Rain record. Right. Well, and, China uh, Rain was, was going to stay functional. So, so even... Was at, that, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, it was like 89, you know, when I was making it. It took a long time to make it. And during that time was when the Nirvana uh, phenomena came, came along. And I was kind of oblivious to it because I was just in the studio doing my thing. And, uh, you know, Atlantic decided not to release it because, you know, music had changed. So... Wow. And does it still just sit on the shelf? Like I was looking for it on Spotify and iTunes. I, I couldn't find it. it it's, it's, it's out never, there. I mean, it was, re- it was released. Oh, okay. It All was right. released and uh, it was released here in the United States on beyond records. Uh, and it was released over in Europe. Uh, I forget the name of the label, but you know, it got released. I mean, it didn't do a whole lot. Right. Uh, things had changed, but, uh, it, you know, it was a great record. We wrote, you know, I wrote with so many different people and put together a great group of songs and uh, we picked the best out of them and, uh, and put the record together. And it's, it's still a great record. I'll listen to it now and go, yeah, this would have worked. I just, it just took a little bit, a little bit too long to make it, you know? Right on. Right on. And, and, you know, it's, it's you, of course, on vocals and guitar and Felix on bass guy on drums. And you guys have had such a long history. There's very few bands which today you have all those original members. What's the magic? How do you guys stay connected? How are you able to still continue on as a unit? Well, you know, I think the, the, for any band, it's like the first five years. And once you get past that, as long as everybody's willing to accept the fact that a people aren't really going to change that much if they're going to change at all. And that, you know, you know, you realize why you're successful and that the success is because of all the members, right. You know, that, uh, you know, that helps a lot towards, you know, a band sticking together. I mean, people, when they come to see zebra, they want to see zebra. When they go to see the rolling stones, they want to see the stone. So every time they make a, you know, a change, you know, it's not the same thing. Although, uh, you know, stones are a big band, but, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's yeah, not. Totally. You know, when you go to when you go to see uh, Van Halen, you know they've they've had a uh, completely different history. But there's, you know, the 
Sammy Hager Van Halen fans, and then there's the David Lee Roth Van Halen fans, you know. And, um, you know, people want to see the original members. So uh, I think that's one of the things about Zebra that's, you know, that kept us around for so long. You know, our longevity, although we haven't had the success of any of those bands, um, we've had a loyal fan base. The songs, you know, obviously have uh, survived, you know, over the last 40 years, 41 years, and we're, we're all still alive. So, right. <laughs> right. you know, yeah. it makes it, uh, and, and we're only three people. So, you know, that helps too, you yeah. know? Yeah. Less cooks in the kitchen, right? Yep. <laughs> so, you know, you guys had Zebra 4, which came out back in 2003, which at this point was, was a while ago. Would you ever consider doing another Zebra record? Zebra 5? You know, I, I've been I've been talking about it for years now, and and I want to do it. I've got some songs ready. Some people say just I'll just put out one song at a time, and you know we could do that. But um, you know I want to do another record. I, I think it would be a great thing, you know. But you know for me at this point, it's about having something to really say, and I want it to be uh, you know worth worth the effort, you know, not right. say something just not just put it out just for the sake of putting something out. Um, you know, you can write a, a lot of songs and just throw stuff out there, but we're not, you know, nobody's waiting for the next Zebra record. The world is waiting, you know, right. so I want it to be good and, and for it to be important, at least to us, you know? Okay. Um, and I think that the, the fans that we have, that means a lot to them too. So absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll see, you know, hopefully we'll all still be around when it, uh, you know, if we, if we can get it together. Yeah, and, and when you say there's there's some songs, are they still like in demo form, or have you recorded? Yeah, there's any nothing song? that there's nothing that we've performed live yet. You know, I haven't actually. I've got the, I've got songs written. I haven't arranged them or anything. Uh, I was really looking to put a whole record together, and that wasn't. I just didn't have enough material. I think I had like enough for about four or five songs, but uh, you know, life takes over. I'm a grandfather now. We've got you know, so being pulled so many different ways, you know, right. it's, it's a matter of folks. And I know what it takes to make a record, you know, at least the kind of record we, we like to make. And, um, you know, it's going to take a little more focus than I've got, uh, time for right now, but you know, any minute I, you know, things could change and, uh, and we could have another zebra record. Right on. Cool. A couple, a couple more questions before I let you go. As we mentioned, mm-hmm. you're, you're playing the the rock carnival on, Saturday, October 1st. It's a three-day event, the the 30th through October 2nd, September 30th, that is. And uh, Twisted Sister, one of their final shows, I think that same day you guys are playing, Saturday, is going to be at this rock carnival. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a great documentary out called Twisted Fucking Sister, which really deals with with Twisted Sisters club days and also Zebra's club days in in a way. You guys are a part of it. Uh, Can you talk about your history with Twisted Sister, where did you first meet those guys? Oh, we met them at the, at a gig that we opened up for them on Long Island. I think D talks about it in the, uh, documentary. He talks about how they were all worried that this band from New Orleans was coming up and, you know, they were so good. And, uh, and then D says that, you know, in the documentary he talks about, uh, twists and we blow them away, you know, right. and, uh, it's funny, you know, but it, and it's great. That's classic D Snyder. And, you know, the fact of the matter was the club scene was just exploding and, yeah. you know, we were successful. 
really successful. And uh, Twisted Sister was too. And uh, and that was where we met them. We became friends, and it never stopped after that. You know, cool. they there was no way to compete with Twisted Sister. You know, we weren't trying. We didn't come up trying to. We were a three piece band wearing t shirts and jeans. And uh, you know, they they were dressed up. They had a, a stage show. And uh, so there was never a, like a quote unquote, you know, competition uh, about how the shows were. Uh, there were other bands on the circuit like Rat Race Choir that were more musical that we were, you know, more in line with in uh, far as musicality. But, you know, Twisted Sister was a great bunch of guys. You know, they invited us to their homes and, you know, where they were living and stuff and, uh, and then eventually, you know, by 1982, we were both managed by the same management company okay. when we were signed to Atlantic Records, you know. And, uh, you know, and like Dee said, I, you know, I, I, I kind of, you know, told Atlantic they were idiots if they didn't come see Twisted Sister, you know, because they were right. very reluctant uh, to see them. And uh, I said, listen, this band's going to be big with you or without you. You know, you better come see it, you know. And uh, we had already been signed to Atlantic and, uh, you know, they were phenomenal, you know, energy, and they were just all about, you know, dedication. They were going to do it. There was no doubt about it, you know, and I, I could see that. And uh, and then you look at what, what's happened since then, you know, even today, you know, you, their songs are being, you know, used on commercials, and they're playing all over the world for, you know, thousands and thousands of people, and it's, it's it's great, you know. It's. I hope they come back and do something else. I know D is putting out a solo record. I, right, I, I heard saw, that. and uh, you know, see how that goes. But uh, you know, it was a great time. It was just great to be part of it, and um, you know, they were always great friends to us. You know, always helping if we needed something. You know, always helped us out, and uh, we tried to do the same for them. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing both bands at the Rock Carnival on Saturday, October 1st. Uh, what else does Zebra have coming up? Other other dates on the calendar? Yeah, we're going to be doing some dates in Florida in October. Uh, cool. A couple of dates in uh, yeah, uh, Louisiana. We've got uh, probably New York coming up. And I cool. think we're going to be going back to Houston and uh, St. Louis. I want to get out to the West Coast. Just haven't put it together yet, you know? Right. Uh, and we might even be going to South Africa. I got a request about that. <laughs> wow, so, nice. Yeah, that should be fun, different. And uh, so, you know, we're still, uh, you know, if it wasn't for our fans, I don't know what we'd be doing. You know, I know we'd be playing music, you know, but uh, the fact that our fans are uh, loyal and they still love the music is, is such a great thing. So Definitely. And, and you do uh, acoustic yeah. shows too, right? Yeah, I do acoustic shows and I've been... Uh, uh, do that all around the country solo acoustic where I do you know all the zebra stuff and then classic rock stuff that I grew up with Beatles and Zeppelin Pink Floyd Bowie whatever you know and uh, yeah and then I do uh, I also uh, involved with uh, Brent Havens and uh, Windborn Music and we perform uh, symphony shows around the country with different symphony orchestras doing classic rock so I do uh, Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd with with that group and uh, that's been successful i've been doing that for like 20 years now cool uh, and it's uh it's been a lot of fun you know well randy i can't wait to see zebra on saturday october 1st at the rock carnival in new jersey it's going to be a great night yeah it'll be a lot of fun what time you guys go on it's the afternoon i think right 
I'm not exactly sure what time it is, but I, okay. I would guess you're, you're right. Probably late afternoon. I know we go on on the, uh, I don't know what the name of the stage is, but it's, there's two stages and we're on the smaller one of the stages. Okay. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but, uh, yeah, it's before Twisted Sister and, uh, sometime before. And, uh, you know, it's, we're, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. See a lot of old friends. Cool. Well, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Talking Metal. The Rock Carnival is in New Jersey, down, I think, Lakewood. It's right by Point Pleasant, pretty close to the Jersey Shore. And it's happening September 30th through October 2nd. So check it out. A lot of great bands, including Zebra. Randy, take care.
song right there was called Wait Until the Summer's Gone by Zebra. And to wrap things up, we're going to get something off that third Zebra record. This is very Zeppelin-esque tune, if you will. It's called Time. And again, it's off the third Zebra record. And guys, before we leave, let me just say thanks so much for supporting what we do here. I really appreciate it. And can't believe, wow, 11 freaking years. It's insane. Having so much fun still doing this show. And love hearing from you guys. Hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Facebook. Let me know that you're enjoying the show and that you're listening to the show. And spread the word about Talking Metal, okay? This, again, is Zebra off the third record. It's called Time. Time never lose game will never lose time will never feel the pain will never feel there's a wheel that turns our fortunes there's a light to lead the way Holding back tomorrow From a destiny today Used to be so lonely Never thought that I could find the time Never thought that I could give it up
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.